0: Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Assiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 443: An Overview of Blockchain with Donnie Benjamin.
1: And I, and I like to think, too, um, you know, just about everybody I meet is pretty purpose-driven, uh, and it's a type of purpose-driven I hadn't, I haven't been involved with since I was in the army. So I feel like that's especially valuable to veterans. You can go to a lot of you know places that work for a lot of things where it's just you check in and you check out and you miss that that higher purpose or the feeling that this camaraderie that with the people you're working with that you all have um, a goal you want to get to and i really feel like you get that in a lot of places in the blockchain space
0: In episode 437, I spoke with Matt Zarensina about blockchain ticketing with his company True Tickets, and I thought it'd be a good time to revisit the blockchain industry. Today's episode originally aired in August of 2018. It was the second time that I had Donnie on the show. The first time he was talking about the company he was at, and I brought him back on the show to provide a primer about blockchain, cryptocurrency, and Ethereum. While the specifics may have changed slightly, the architecture that we're talking about today has not. And this space since 2018 has grown exponentially. I think it's still one of the areas that I think veterans are great for because it is such a relatively new industry and therefore veterans, especially those leaving the military, it's not like you have a lot of catch-up to do. The industry is so young compared to other industries. So in this conversation, we're going to be talking about a foundational understanding of of this industry. As always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes with links to everything we discuss, as well as 437 other episodes just like this one. So, with that, let's dive into my conversation with Donnie. Well, my guest today, back from episode number one hundred and eighty-six, is Donnie Benjamin, and, and the last time I talked to Donnie, he was in uh, in Brooklyn or over in Manhattan, and uh, now that he's speaking with me, just as a sign of what can change in just seven episodes worth of time, he's now in Chicago. Uh, but uh, maybe Donnie, you could start by letting us know what's going on, what's what's happened with this transition. Uh,
1: yeah, moving over uh, to Chicago to uh, help. Set up a uh, consensus Chicago office. Uh, really trying to understand the blockchain community here, how we can add value. Uh, if there's teams interested, in building with us. Uh, so kind of a, it's pretty organic growth. What makes sense. Um, but yeah, pretty excited to be here, and uh, thanks for uh, having me on again, Justin.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed our last conversation, and and towards the end, you offered to go through and uh, kind of a primer or an overview of just blockchain and cryptocurrency and your perspective on the space and its history and wanted to take you up on that. And so maybe just to start off, um, I know it's a big question, but I'm I'm actually asking this question for personal reasons too. So I've asked uh, three different friends who are some of the three smartest people I know, what is blockchain? They've given me great answers and it still still has not really sunk in and, and clicked for me. I, I feel like back in the 90s when someone must have been like, so what is this internet thing again? Um, but I'm wondering maybe you yeah. could just start off with the basics of what is blockchain and don't be offended if I interrupt you with just kind of questions of, of things that um, I'm trying to understand more.
1: Sure, and, and I think it's important to keep in mind that you know most people also don't know how TCIP routing or packet switching work which uh, you know are the fundamentals of the modern internet and they just trust that the internet works right yeah so I think one of the reasons people get caught up in blockchain or trying to understand it uh, at a deeper level is because there's uh, you know, coins or tokens associated with it or some sort of financial gain um, but you know I I'd caution everybody to remember that. And it's also funny, uh, because when you talk about mining or, you know, Bitcoin's case or currently in Ethereum's case also, um, you know, people get so confused about this mining coins and, and I always ask them, well, how does your government decide how much money to print? And if you're in the United States, you know, you, unless you're sitting in the the meeting of the federal reserve, you don't know. Mm. Um, and with Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum, it's very transparent how, these, how the, uh, these stores of value, these tokens, get created. Uh, there's a timeline, you know, with Bitcoin we know there's only going to be around 21 million, um, so it's very clear and transparent. It's actually more clear and transparent and makes more sense than how most governments that I'm aware of decide how much money to print uh, and when.
0: So I, I love that, because... Um, um Yeah, I love the analogy with the internet because it's true. Like, I don't really still under. I I have been working in this space for nearly 10 years, everything internet technologies. I don't really understand the fundamentals of how the internet works. I don't understand that even the foundational elements of it. And yet, you know, people are still able to, without that knowledge, be effective on it and utilize it. And I think that kind of maybe lowers my, my anxiety about this conversation of not feeling like um, that is the absolute most critical thing to be able to dissect the intricacies of how this works.
1: Right. But I, so maybe what is kind of important to understand um, is what makes it different uh, than current databases uh, and how can that affect us? In the future and why is there so much hype uh, and and people building for it? Yeah, so, or, and like what um, the,
0: what the opportunities are that it can unlock? Yep,
1: exactly. And this, you know, it, there's so many area when you talk about blockchain. There's so many areas to cover, and we probably won't get to them all because you can take one area and you know digital identity, and you can just go into it and spend you know days at a workshop just just on that aspect of how blockchain will affect that. So. Um, it might also help to go, maybe a little bit back to basics. You know, if we're talking 2008, 2009, financial crisis occurs. Uh, a person or persons named Satoshi Nakamoto releases a white paper, uh, Bitcoin. Um, you know, the subtitle is like a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, and it's essentially uh, a you know a this revolutionary idea that we don't need uh, banks anymore to, we don't need intermediaries to have trustless processes. So, you know, if, if you were to even Venmo me money right now, Justin, it would go from your Venmo to your bank, to my bank, to my Venmo. And then I would probably take it... Uh, back from my Venmo to my bank. So there's there, there are these intermediaries, and I might have that a little backwards, but I think people get the idea. There's all these intermediaries at play uh, that go into these transactions, and they try to take pieces of, uh, of the transaction. And basically, Bitcoin proved out this idea that with cryptography um, and this idea of a blockchain where it's distributed a ledger where every transaction that's ever occurred Is stored and you can't go back and change it. Uh, it, It's pretty powerful technology. So Bitcoin kind of proved out this idea of having this blockchain that's made up of that's pieces of a distributed ledger all put together, run by nodes on the network. Um, People have watched the the actually the latest season of Silicon Valley, the HBO TV show. I think it's pretty funny because it's spot on and it's um, how it mocks the tech. But I mean, they do cover a lot of cool stuff about.
0: and, uh, and this this sense this is, you know, maybe a silly question, but the the sense of this distributed ledger, so what what you're saying is basically every let's let's take um I guess maybe Bitcoin for example, every transaction that's ever occurred with Bitcoin, it is stored in basically like a public uh Record in multiple locations to, to 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 prevent it from being interfered with. Is is that? Am I somewhat on the mark on that? It's like,
1: uh, so uh, let's take J.P. Morgan Chase as an example. You okay. know, they pro- I'm gonna am I'm gonna guess they spent billions of dollars a year securing their servers and yeah. their databases. Uh, and if and if they let that down. They're going to get hacked. I'm sure they get hacking attempts every second of every day. They're going to get hacked, and the global economy is going to absolutely collapse. But Bitcoin is proving out this idea that you don't even need a bank. You can uh, process, you can transact billions and billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin over almost a decade without an intermediary there, uh, just using technology. And every transaction that has ever occurred is stored across the nodes of the computers running this network, and no one can go back and change it. Mm. So that that's that that piece is what makes it uh, why you don't need uh, a, a bank in in the middle mm. um, to like reconcile a ledger, right? It's kind of like I found out all those skyscrapers on the other side of Manhattan in New Jersey are town's reconciling ledgers be- amongst all the banks. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty wild. So so uh, I'm guessing. All these... Oh, good ahead, good. Ahead. Yeah. Well, it's just there's you know there's not a shared uh, database infrastructure throughout the world, and that's a, that's the thing. Uh, another piece when we kind of get into Ethereum that I I think people just have a fundamental misunderstanding of how IT works in the world, um, and that you know I think in when we see futuristic movies. Mm. Uh, you know, we just assume there's a shared infrastructure everybody's using for instantaneous transaction, and that's just not true, right? You have tons of different enterprises selling uh, different solutions. Uh, there's just not, you know, think of when airlines merge, right? Uh, you read about the horror stories of trying to get their two technical platforms to integrate, yeah. because they're just built on totally different foundations. Um, so when we talk about, when we get into Ethereum, it's like, well, what if everything was built on one foundation that was super secure and transparent? That changes everything. And that also gets rid of the need for uh, a ton of intermediaries. And technically, you know, if I want to build a better airline system on the same infrastructure, I could, and then an airline could adopt it because there's no, the friction of changing is so minimum.
0: Yep, yep. Okay, and
1: I kind of took us off track. No, and, no, that's but,
0: great. And so, but I'm assuming that, I'm assuming that the, the two elements that are are important with that though too is that because there's not this massive infrastructure this need to physically reconcile transactions I'm, I'm assuming that that makes uh, transaction, transactions able to occur faster and transactions able to occur at a much lower cost than anyone else can provide is that is that somewhat accurate?
1: Yeah, it's going to be cheaper it's going to be faster and you're not going to need Somebody in the middle uh, taking pieces of that because they're they've established themselves uh, as this intermediary who's able to take more and more value out of a system. You're basically you know getting rid of them, um, or in some cases you still need them, but they're just not able to extract as much value because they uh, they can't. Uh, well, let's take music, right? Um, in a blockchain world, a musician could distribute music directly to a consumer, and instead of giving 80% of it away to a record label, uh, they could trust that the transaction, so I'm gonna buy this song, or I'm gonna buy the rights to stream it, or I'm gonna use a streaming platform, and it's all trustless. The, the system does all the work. The system knows exactly how many plays I've done, uh, and the payment to the artist is you know near instant. Uh, there's no... Uh, Messing with the books, there's no uh, you know auditing how many streams you had, and ideally, then you have musicians who can actually you know afford to live in Manhattan because they're getting eighty percent or maybe seventy nine percent if the platform's taking one percent, but still one percent versus eighty percent is pretty significant uh, of that value. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. And um, I'm just thinking of the you know, my sense is a lot of the people who, I I don't know if this is still true, but like when this technology first became available, I can see why. And I think we talked about this in, in our last interview, like there are, uh, true believers behind this movement. I can see why this sense of transparency, of fairness, of, um, a system that cannot be tampered with. I can see why that would have an appeal, um, on a values level and that a lot of the people who are working in this space i'm guessing are, are driven by those values like i think we had talked about that d- democratization of like just really spreading the power and not having power centralized anywhere so it's i can see how this is both a technology but also a i imagine a lot of people culturally believing in this as a way forward as a as a society as a species on the planet
1: Definitely. I mean, it's a movement. And, uh, I heard a great quote. Someone was saying, um, uh, a leader in the States was saying, I meet Republicans, Democrats, libertarians, socialists, anarchists, uh, you know, extreme ultra capitalists. And everybody sees something in this system that they love. It's like one of the, um, most unifying, uh, movements I've ever seen or, or been a part of, um, uh, and I think because people people don't want to have to make a people want to be able to trust uh, each other when they do business. Um, you know, people. Okay, here's a good example of a you know blockchain digital identity. When we think about what happened happened with Equifax, right? One person's computer got hacked, and 140 something million records got stolen. That's in that's insanity. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. off, the so first well, first off, that were even. Uh, You know beholden to these uh credit agencies um i you know i read a good i think it was on the wall street journal it was basically saying you know when if you sign up for your airline rewards program and they get hacked like it's it's still awful but technically you signed up for it Mm. so you know there's a little bit on you but the fact that none of us sign up for these credit agencies they just collect information on us we did nothing uh um you know check the box and our information was stolen um mm-hmm. uh, bec- because one person uh had bad security or the the company had that security. that's insane so if you think about taking back our identities and on the blockchain i'm gonna have my identity stored so you know on ethereum i have an identity it's connected to me so if you were to hack, if you were for some reason to get my private key or my face or whatever you could technically take my information but you're not going into the blockchain And taking 140 people's information, you're just taking mine, which is ideally, I think, how people would want it. Um, And, you know, when I resume control of my identity, you know, and when I can access, so we have a a, a team called Uport, they run a trial in Duke, Switzerland, where people basically had their ID on their Uport connected to Ethereum and were able to access government services instantly. Um, So you think when I take control back of my identity yes it's good for government but then you know you get right now we're a product of you know if you're on facebook um you're the product right in in blockchain world when you own your identity maybe you selectively disclose certain attributes about yourself to advertisers so you know you're uh, a brown-haired male who likes snowboarding then advertisers can pay you to look at you know, even more specifically targeted ads, if you choose, if that's something you want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a completely different mind shift, and I think uh, I think people would much rather get paid to look at ads than um, having a company uh, get make a ton of money off of there again.
0: That's so wild. I mean, let me let me just play this back, and it's like so. I'm thinking when I when I read a magazine. Uh, maybe 20% of that magazine is actually advertisements. And that is because someone, an advertiser, has paid the magazine because they believe, you know, the magazine that a certain type of person reads it and they're trying to get in front of them. And so the magazine's giving me value. They're giving me articles, they're giving me all this stuff, but they're also making money off of me because I'm reading these ads. And what you're saying is, you know, this this changes the equation. Where if the company wants to get a hold of me, it's almost like paying me to reveal more of myself. It's like paying me to know more about me to know if I would be a good fit. It's 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 in some senses it's removing the um, intermediary of whoever is, is whoever is um, selling the ads. Is that I mean is that some correct interpretation of what I you mean, just said? Uh,
1: sure, and I you know I think. I think it's really a scale of, uh, do you want privacy or are you willing to give up some of that for, uh, maybe getting some tokens and having more targeted ads that might work for you? Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, privacy is a huge, a huge thing. And, you know, something I was, you know, very ignorant of until I really started reading about the Is Our identities are sold. I mean, you, you know, I don't think people realize, you know, when you browse the internet, your internet service provider is collecting everything you do and selling it. I mean, there we are, are packaged up in our identities, and other companies make so much money off of what we do, and we really don't know about it. I mean, I've been reading about smart TVs that kind of trick you into allowing you to collect data on your viewing habits. And look, if if you want to, uh, you know, to me it's it's a spectrum. If you want to be super private, if you don't, if you think you have a right to privacy when you browse the internet because you're paying an internet service provider a good amount of money a month and you feel like you should have privacy with that, great, but maybe you choose that, you know, privacy is not your biggest thing and you really want, uh, if you're going to have to look at ads, you'd rather get paid to look at them, that's fine too. But the the thing is, we don't really have that on the internet right now uh, and in what we do and, and things that are connected. So we're trying to bring back, I think blockchain is also trying to bring back uh, our identity to ourselves, but also let us have privacy in our lives again
0: mm. so so when you're um, when you're reading the news there's just i think in the last several years there's been so much i mean longer than that, but there's been so much about privacy as someone in this space. I'm sure, you know, just like everyone, it makes you upset and makes you scared and sad that all of this is occurring. And at the same time, you must see this as just such validation for the the fundamental technology that you're working with and the opportunity it provides to enhance security and enhance privacy. Uh, exactly.
1: And I, and I don't think it's, you know, it's an extreme idea, right? I think uh, if more people are just aware how much... Uh, Information is collected on them. I think they'd be in the movement too. It's just until you really start studying and understand, um, it's you don't you don't. uh, It's tough to really, um, I guess, comprehend the level of which um, this is going on. And I I think just from a a human level, of course, it it, does it bother me that some CEO is making forty million dollars a year because their his or her business is selling. Aspects of my identity to the highest bidder, absolutely, mm. absolutely.
0: So, what is maybe um, to to switch gears a little bit? What is, like how would you explain Ethereum then? Like, what what do listeners need to know about what Ethereum is? Okay, good question. So,
1: Bitcoin uh, is the um, digital token for the Bitcoin blockchain, and really, people are trying different things. People have tried it for years, but really, the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, is really good at transacting Bitcoin. So, a uh, young genius um, guy named Vitalik Buterin uh, created this thing called Ethereum, which is taking the idea of a blockchain, but allowing you to build basically a new internet, or what we call Web3, where you can do more than just transact Bitcoin. So there's this idea of smart contracts, which are neither smart nor contracts, they're just code, but they take that, I, that idea of trustlessness in a system, uh, and, and allow it to execute on the Ethereum blockchain, um, near instantly. So Bitcoin, you know, I think originally it was the idea was it's a currency. Now it's more of a store of value. Ether is the token that runs the Ethereum blockchain. Ether's a, a fuel. It's like, um, you can access, you access Google services for free. Um, because you know you're the product in a way, they're getting paid off your identity. So in a decentralized internet, if it's going to run instantly, be a global computer, uh, you know there has to be a way for it to self-sustain. So this idea of you pay, you make small payments in ether um, to run transactions. So uh, I want to listen to music. Uh, there's going to be a you know a little bit of ether that it's going to be paid into the transaction. Um, to keep the system going,
0: uh, does that so sense? that make sense? so if i what what i 'm taking from that is that it's it's it 's almost like a fundamental technology to do different things, and depending on what i want to do i'm i 'm almost paying a very, very small amount to do that one thing, so if I wanted to listen to music, if I wanted to execute a contract, if I wanted to do you know whatever else i 'm just um Put, putting that I like the, the analogy of fuel I'm putting that fuel into the system to get whatever it is I want out of it is that is that correct
1: At, at the very basic level yes I mean okay. there are things being done to even decrease those transaction costs but at, at, and you can have a private permission ethereum um, blockchain that does not require that internally but you know if, it, if you want to do transactions to the public ethereum blockchain you would need
0: some ether but yes. Yeah. Um, and and I think
1: you know I just think about it
0: and yeah. and what is the i guess like what is the advantage to using like for me as a user what is the, what what is the reason that I would choose to go with you know paying ethereum to this versus listening to you know you use music as an as an example listening to music on Spotify like what's the what's the reason that I would want to pay something to go to go the ethereum route
1: right now you wouldn't because the, uh, you know, we, the reality check of blockchains right now is a lot of this is, um, still have, you know, Ethereum still works. It's amazing revolutionary technology, but it's, you know, it has limitations, uh, in speed and scalability and security. I mean, um, pr- uh, privacy. So that's all big, right? Cause everything's open. It's, uh, <laughs> everybody can know what's going on. Um, so you're, you know, if you probably want uh, to do Make some investments. You probably don't necessarily want everyone to know that. So that's kind of the the trilemma of um, that that's being solved. So there there are real world limitations right now. Tons and tons and tons of smart people are working on solving them. But because of that, right now you would not uh, choose this. I mean, we do have a we do have a um, a great project called Ujo. People do use it. But for the average user who doesn't want to download an extension and then buy ether and then use that for to buy tokens, and, and it's just a, it's a complicated process. But in the future, you're going to um, probably choose to do it because, one, your favorite artists are going to want to make 79% more value out of a <laughs> transaction, so they're going to go. Yep. Um, uh, the infrastructure to build on it's going to be so much cheaper for developers to work on than Spotify, so you can imagine uh, they're just, from an economic standpoint, it's not going to make sense. Um, you know, and I think when you have a critical mass, when it's easy to use, when it's fast, uh, when all the artists are moving over, um, I think I think then it would just become uh, a no-brainer.
0: Now, I mean, I, I want to have you continue to explain this, but one thing I, the thing I was thinking about with Ethereum, and again, I understand percent of this, but um, a friend of mine is a corporate lawyer at a very, very big, well-known company. And she was saying, look, um, we executed a contract. We're a US-based company. We executed a contract with someone in Hong Kong. And and literally, it was a fast turnaround. The way that we had to execute that was we, we literally flew someone with a contract in their hand, to Korea, South Korea, and they signed it and they flew it back. That was the most efficient way to be able to execute this form of contract. But she was saying with a technology like Ethereum, that could be done pretty much instantaneously. And that is that, first of all, am I remembering that correctly? Is that one of the potential applications of this technology is like the fast execution of contracts that otherwise would take a very long time?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, I, we have a great project called OpenLaw. They do have a lot of great uh, demos on YouTube, which I recommend people look at. Um, because when you have a trustless system, uh, and you know my private key makes sure it's me, and your private key makes sure it's you, and um, we put basically code into these smart contracts that certain things execute when other things happen, it becomes near instantaneous. So. You know, the process, I've, I haven't bought a house, but I hear it's, you know, horse or it takes a long time. But really, if we just write a contract between, so I want to buy your house, Justin. We just put a contract in that escrows, you know, a certain amount of my ether. Uh, and then basically, once uh, we have a home inspector sign, digitally sign the uh, smart contract, that that's good. And, uh, you know, the, we get whatever other stamps. The title's been validated on the blockchain. Then it's just an instant transfer of money, uh, and then the title would then instantly. So it would say, if Donny, uh, you know, has 20 ether in escrow account, uh, and homeowner approves, then send ether to Justin, and Justin, your side would say, and then Justin send title to Donny, and that'd be that'd be it.
0: That's so wild. So, I mean, I, th- I think when you say that, I start to see the shadow of Ethereum. I start to see like the edges of what you're talking about, where that is, that is one very, very, very specific use case that you just outlined. And one that I think a lot of listeners and myself can relate to because, you know, you transact on a house, it is a long, cumbersome process. But if in, in essence, you are able to um, greatly simplify that process that that one use case that you just articulated is a massive value that 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 right there affects hundreds of millions of people and and that's one it's, it's just like my senses that's a splinter of the overall opportunity with ethereum like you just outlined one use oh. case that is yep. massive financially and massive in terms of the people it impacts and that's one of you know a hundred thousand different options of how Ethereum could be used, and that's when you say that I start my my I start to sense the size of the opportunity that you're dealing with where it might not be fully here, but there's so many different offshoots of where this could go. And that's that's why sometimes I think of this like you know in terms of the internet of like people must have been like wow like email is one application oh reading the news online is another application like there's so many offshoots that give the fundamental technology value.
1: It's it's insane. Um, you know when you think of email, what if you know what if you had to pay a tiny a sliver amount of ether to send an email? Um, how much would that decrease spam? Right? Because right now it's free to spam. Millions and millions of people, but if it costs a little bit, even if it costs a little bit, um, it's gonna significantly reduce, um, you know, theoretically, uh, how much spam or phishing attempts or anything like that we get. Oh, and then, man. you know, I I I always want to put in like, you know, reality checks in this. Like, yeah, but that the homeowner one's a, a great thing, but even if the blockchain gets perfect, right, there still needs to be governments that agree that they're gonna certify all, they're gonna move all their titles digitally to the blockchain. Uh, and it's gonna be accessible, right? So there's a whole, uh, you know, for all these use cases, there's tons of stuff that needs to happen for it to be a, this perfect world. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's tons of municipalities where they still, uh, you have to go into a file to pull up a title, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's another aspect. But, yeah, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the way business and society changes and the way we interact with each other, um, you know, it's huge
0: could you could you give just maybe one or two other use cases for me that's like helping me understand like the the email thing is awesome i i'm so sick of spam email and it's like wow like that does actually make sense if people were paying a very tiny amount of money they they couldn't just mass email hundreds of thousands of people and the the real estate example made sense are there any other examples that come to mind of, of things that people are trying to do with ethereum as a foundation or blockchain as a foundation
1: Wow, I mean, I, I, just about every single industry, um, people are trying, trying to do things. You know, I, I think another, a great example for government, I mean, to just dive into government services, right? Think of, you know, we still hold our identities on these plastic cards, uh, it's crazy. Um, and some of them are, you know, you can easily forge and when you change addresses you have to go order another one mm-hmm. uh... if you want to prove residency you have to um, or if you want to get in use government services you might have to prove residency through that but what if you were validated through the government on the blockchain and then when you changed your address it just updated instantly or you moved it just updated instantly um, uh, we think uh... You know, a truly paperless world is possible in blockchain, right? Clearly, that did not happen with Web2 or even the internet. There's still tons of paper. You still need to fill out tons of forms. Um, You still need to get mailed plastic cards that are validations of who you are. But if you can get rid of all that because your identity is so secured through the government um, and, and changes happen instantly and you can go to a museum for cheaper because you've quickly proven you're a resident of somewhere, I mean, you, know, you can think of uh, how that works. Uh, it, it's crazy. And then, uh, oh gosh, I, re- I really like the idea of um, this idea that you know, in the blockchain world, you know, we have a project called Vine, it's a supply chain, but if you're a massive company and you're tracking everything on the blockchain, so you're proving, like right now we take marketing on the labels as proof that it's real. But I, I don't know where that fish really came from. I don't know. If my organic vegetable is truly an organic vegetable, there's no real. We're taking so many people's words, and supply chains get mixed up. And you know, I've I've heard absolute horror stories from marketers about how a lot of the stuff we see and read is not true, especially when it comes to food and nutrition. But if you've you know proven um, through an immutable ledger that that something came from somewhere, uh, and then a company validates instantly how many things get bought and sold, and uh, you know paychecks are on. Uh, salaries and operational costs, then you can instantly audit a company Mm. 24-7, which I get excited about that because I think, you know, Jamie Dimon Warren Buffett has, you know, talked about companies are so incentivized to do things on a short-term basis at the expense of, you know, even longer-term value to shareholders and society, so if you could change this idea where you just, you're instantly auditing, you're instantly seeing things, and maybe, has an impact on this idea that every three months you have to show growth or uh, your stock price goes down something hmm. like that so you, see, you know you think about the fundamentals of the market um, shifting in a more favorable way for both companies and society I think there's so much there that can
0: be done that's so wild I I, I appreciate the things that you're saying but I think what stands it even more for me is just the the excitement in your voice is just is is contagious in terms of just the possibilities and you uh, the opportunity to make things better, like the opportunity to say, like, there's so many things that don't function well or that don't function properly, and there's, this is a potential to fix a lot of them or at the very least to bring much more transparency and much more um, uh, trustworthiness to all of these things. And I, from a
1: economic perspective, if this we get this right, the capital that's going to be formed and brought into the world is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. Um, and that's going to go to everybody who wants to build on this or have, have a part of it. And everybody's going to be able to capture more value out of uh, every transaction. So it's just this amazing uh, you know, possibility of hopefully the near future of, of what can happen. Uh, so that yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, it's,
0: I mean, it's motivating
1: than... for many different
0: reasons part part of what i'm hearing though is that um I, like the, the visual i get on this is like the amount of friction that is in this this system or so like with the artist example you're saying if, if you're if there is 80 percent of an artist value is going towards labels or different people like that like you're removing friction like you're freeing up um less less of the value is lost in the Throughput of the system and more is retained by the people creating things, people adding value. It's it's it just seems like it's it's fundamentally removing friction from a system.
1: That and you know you read about miscounts in streaming services or you know Facebook saying oh we missed we over said how many people actually looked at your ad that <laughs> that goes away right yeah um so you, you're you're able to trust not only are you able to trust the cabinet system, but you're able to trust the cabinet system without giving tons of money to the system that's trying to count it for you. Yeah,
0: yep. Uh, yeah. That's wild. Um, well, what else, what else should we know? I know we've got a couple minutes left here. What, what, I, I, and, and I'm empathizing with the fact that, like, I'm sure the things that we're covering right now, any, like you said at the start, any single facet of this you could probably find ten hours worth of explanation on YouTube, but I'm just kind of curious from a high level. Um, what have we? What else have we not talked about that you think it would be interesting for people to know?
1: Well, I think um, you know. I do want to reiterate the reality check that there are significant limitations to blockchain technologies now, um, but the brightest minds are working to solve them. Um, so just you know, we we have to, we're. Uh, cautiously optimistic and uh, I, I also you know would um, encourage everybody to give some truth because I think cryptocurrencies right human beings have been scamming each other since the beginning of time so the idea that there's scams in the crypto world there's scams in the normal world there's scams in the normal stock market there's scams everywhere so you know I think you know the media gets driven to highlight all the scams and and crypto space uh, So I'd I'd encourage people, you know, really learn about the profound fundamental impact, uh, positive impact this technology can have on the world. Um, Don't let, (laughs) ignore the scammers. don't give them the time of day, Um, and, uh, you know, I think unfortunately Bitcoin started to get a bad rap because it was used as payments in the dark web, Silk Road, for buying drugs and other awful things. So. Uh, you know, that was an unfortunate first uh, active use case for Bitcoin. It's much the technology behind it is so much more than that, it's it can be so beneficial to society. Um, so don't let uh, people think that you know it's uh Bitcoin's just something you, you buy or your cryptocurrency is just something you um buy illegal substances with, and uh, you know talk to your congressman about making sure your state has, you know, a lot of states are coming out with really good crypto regulation because regulators are understanding the profound positive impact um, uh, on the technology. But I think the more people that understand it, the more people th- that get involved, um, uh, I think it, it's, uh, it's, it's important.
0: Well, Donnie, I appreciate this. I, I think uh, this is like the 194th episode. I think you're the only person I've had on twice. And so you've been especially generous with your time. And I think that what stands out for me, I think what helps me is the examples you gave just really start to shine a spotlight on how many exciting opportunities they are, there are here. And in my conversation with you and um, Stephanie and the other people in this space, uh, it, it does seem like this is an opportunity where you know veterans, people on active duty listening to this, there is a big opportunity here. This has not been a space that's been around for a long time, so it's not like you're playing catch up. And as as you're saying, there's um, obviously a lot of risk in this space, but a lot of opportunity. It's it's a little bit of the wild west, and there's um, it is continuing to grow. And I think it's a, a really valuable industry for veterans to look at because. Um, you know, they can go there with tenacity, they can go there with uh, a lot of hard work, and they can play catch up on, on learning all of these things, but potentially play a big role in what seems like could be a major, fundamentally shifting technology for society.
1: And I, and I like to think too, um, you know, just about everybody I meet is pretty purpose driven. Uh, and it's a type of purpose-driven. I hadn't, I haven't been involved with since I was in the army. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's especially valuable to veterans. Mm-hmm. You can go to a lot of, you know, places or work for a lot of things where it's just you check in and you check out, and you miss that that higher purpose or the feeling that this camaraderie that with the people you're working with that you all have um, a goal you want to get to. And I really feel like you get that in a lot of places in the blockchain space.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, thanks again for your time on this, Donnie.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Justin.
0: Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.